This is the Exercise Mechanic Podcast. I'm your host, Etienne Asenek. Hey gang, have you ever noticed that many body composition journeys start not from a place of self-love, but start from a place of inadequacy? Have you ever noticed that many people start what are often considered healthy behaviors like exercise and eating better, but they're motivated by unhealthy internal narratives? This is what many people consider as being the dark side of the fitness industry, an industry that profits off of the insecurities of others. And as much as this might be true for some, we cannot ignore that being more physically active tends to be an important marker of a healthy individual. In general, being more active tends to lead to a healthier and longer life. A question that I've often battled with is, how noxious are these internal narratives? For instance, these narratives of inadequacy or of outright self-hate. And should we only move forward once the person has experienced an internal narrative shift? Or can these shifts of internal narratives occur concurrently throughout one's fitness journey? Meaning, do we have to change them at the beginning and confront people right away so that they have a healthy relationship with exercise and with nutritional change from the get-go? Or can we just embrace the fact that so many people start for these reasons and that we can shift those narratives over time? My guest today is a strength and conditioning and nutrition coach who teaches fitness and health professionals how to build a profitable online coaching business. Needless to say, The question I just shared with you is not only one that he's pondered extensively, but also one that he's coached hundreds, if not thousands of people through, throughout his career. My guest today is Dr. Mark Morris, the founder of the Dr. Mark Method. In this episode, we also discuss the psychology of behavior change, when to let a client go versus when to hang on and adapt so as to help people, the importance of having a strong coaching philosophy, the power of small wins and how to balance that out with a sustainable coaching process and sustainable nutritional strategies. And we also get into the weeds of how to run a profitable business, his focus being more so on nutrition coaching, but the principles that he shares applies to all types of service-based businesses. So if you're looking to add nutrition coaching to your practice, become a more effective coach in any context, or if you're looking to streamline your process and make a more consistent living doing what you love, make sure you hang around because there's lots of gold in today's conversation with Mark Morris. Enjoy. Dr. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat today. Yeah, man, me too. I, um, you know, I had some spicy food earlier today. And so I figured the first question could be a little bit spicy. Let's do and it. So um, as someone who is well-versed with nutrition coaching, I'm sure you've noticed the same trend that I have, which is that individuals often want to make changes to their body composition. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the origin of those changes are perhaps a little bit sinister. Perhaps people don't like themselves very much, or perhaps they just outright hate themselves. And so often I find that that is a catalyst for why people want to physically alter you know, how they look mm-hmm. with the hopes of altering how they feel. Yeah. And so as a nutrition coach, how do you reconcile what feels like a very common truth that people want to change their bodies because they just perhaps don't love or like where they're at while also concurrently like moving them towards their body composition goals. Like how do you reconcile those two, uh, those two things? That's like, this is definitely something I spend a lot of time thinking about, especially with, you know, maybe like the emergence of like the health at every size movement and body positivity and like almost like kind of counteracting a balance of a pendulum that's been swung too far in the other direction. And I think 
what I've made sense of is that you can want to change aspects of your body, especially when it comes to body composition and maybe losing fat tissue and gaining some muscle while still accepting and loving yourself for the healthy, fully functioning body you have. Like, I think that's the sweet spot that we need to be in. Um, Mm -hmm. What I've also realized is that from a coaching perspective and and how we attract new clients and get people interested in our services is we do got to focus on what they want and completely Mm -hmm. trying to discredit this feeling that they want to change themselves because we feel like they don't need it is not going to help anyone. It's like Mm -hmm. not going to serve anyone well. So I think a lot of times health, fitness, and nutrition and training are like a crazy important vehicle for personal change. And sometimes to open that door, what we need to do to get people there is going to be focusing more on what they want. And a lot of times that might be pain points around weight loss and that type of thing. And then when we start working with someone, they realize that like, Hey, maybe I didn't lose 30 pounds, but I've dropped some body fat and I've started resistance training and I've never, and I've never felt so good and and so confident. Right. So it's like, if, if we never said, Hey, do you want to lose weight? If you feel this way, we may never had that interaction or, you know, the, the chance to work with someone. So it's like, got to kind of think about what people want. And I think if anything, it's almost gaslighty to, to not talk about what they want. Cause they're already kind of, they're already feeling it. Right. What do you mean? Sorry. I'm not, I'm not trying to understand. Like, it's one of those things where if like, if, if someone feels like, Hey, I'd like to get leaner because it's going to allow me to, you know, go on more dates. And I dislike this aspect of myself. And for us to be like, you shouldn't feel that way right? Mm-hmm. Because there's more to life than just that. Then like, I think we're just kind of discrediting them and shutting down, you know, things that they're already feeling. And if anything, it just, um, a lot of times puts a barrier in between how we can help them. Yeah. I feel that. And I have two, two thoughts. Um, I definitely have overheard a lot and worked with some trainers who would outright say, you know, kind of like, uh, yeah, but you know, you don't need to lose X amount of weight, be, you know, to feel better. Like you're perfect as you are, you know, and I could totally see how that could, or, uh, in a very real way discredits their, their experience. And then also in a, and just in a variable, very tangible side, um, if you do that, you compromise the relationship and then you, you subsequently lose the opportunity to help someone mm-hmm. with that, you know, like, and I find the, the, the metaphor that one of my old one of my old teachers used was sneaking in the vegetables, you know, where it's like, you can give them what they want, you know, and what they think is actually going to help them get to where they want to be while also concurrently sneaking in the vegetables or sneaking in the medicine, you know, completely. I think you, and I think you've got to do that. And that's a great analogy. And I think there's just a disconnect between what we do as coaches and how we deliver what people need while how we talk about our services and how we attract people based on what they want, right? Like those can be two different things. Like it Mm -hmm. doesn't need to be the exact same thing. And I think what a lot of people do is think about, well, this is what they need from an educational standpoint and what they're going to benefit from. I should just talk about that and use that to attract more people. In reality, all that does is, you know, attract other coaches and people in the space that also see that as the valuable thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so I guess on, on this wavelength, you know, with the clients that you've worked with over the years, um, how do you start to detect when someone might have some of these narratives about themselves that are perhaps a little bit noxious, you know, for like long-term well-being? 
Uh, well, I think from the beginning, we're trying to like tease out, like, is there anything here that's disordered or like a too obsessive or anything along those lines? Like, I think from a, like a screening process at the beginning, it's like, why do you want these changes? What would that look like? Um, do you have any, you know, is there any previous concerns that I should know about that type of thing? Um, and I think through that, like, we get a pretty good idea of like, Hey, am I the right person to help this person? Should they be focusing on something else? And kind of like, pre-screening that way and, and trying to, um, you know, just limit some people that wouldn't be a good fit for our services, but then through the actual working relationship, I think the reason why we like work with people and, and what the power of this stuff is, is having conversations and, and, and connecting with people about where they're at and where they want to go. And I think picking up on anything that's like, just like a little too obsessive or is going to, take them to the point where we've built rapport and, and to the point where we're, we're thinking that maybe it will compromise their long-term health um, is, you know, just something that we have to constantly be listening for and kind of vigilant about um, would be the smartest thing. I think at that point, like I'm very much like harm reductionist. Like I think if people are going to do something, they're going to do it with or without me. And I would rather put them in a place where within best practices, I can, you know, guide this process versus being like, this isn't what you should be doing. Best of luck kind of thing. So I think it's like mm-hmm. being vigilant around listening and picking up patterns and thinking about, is there anything here that's like a bit too fixated and obsessive yeah. and um, just doesn't make any sense. We were, I was on a call earlier today with a bunch of my coaches and it's just like the same story around someone wants results so bad that they're so upset that they don't get them that they sabotage themselves and do the exact opposite thing that would allow them to get results. Right. It's like you so bad that you're willing to eat such a low level of food that you ultimately end up getting frustrated and eating twice that amount. Right. Which from our perspective is like, it's just insane. Right. Like, why would you do that? It's like the exact opposite thing you're going to do that. But so it's like, trying to be vigilant of those kind of things and picking up patterns around that and trying to address them as soon as possible and, and work through them while still being like empathetic in the guide. Yeah. I love that. And so you mentioned something earlier when you were talking about like the pre-screening process and it seemed like you were alluding to even just, you know, checking whether or not we're, you know, ourselves and our clients would be like a good relational fit. Like not only just do I have the skill set to help them, uh, which I would assume if they're coming to us with those concerns, we already have that. But one of the big questions is like, can I even get through to this person? And I, uh, it, it's interesting. It brought, it reminded me of a client who I recently let go of because initially when we started working together, I was like, yeah, for sure. I can help this woman. It's like, mm-hmm. but we weren't a good relational fit. And I, and I knew that from the beginning, but I was like, you know what? Like I'm pretty good at molding myself, you know, and kind of being the chameleon with, you know, with regards to like who I'm around and uh, becoming who I need to be. Right. Um, so as to get through to them. And with this, with this client in particular, it just, it got to a point where I'm like, you know, she's asking me to like her, her belief systems fly in the face of what I currently believe to be true. And I'm not willing to compromise yeah. on that. And so I decided to refer her out um, with the hopes that, you know, she would work with someone who's competent, but uses different language. And that I thought would, you know, they'd have better, uh, like a better relationship. And then subsequently she'd be more receptive um, to their message. 
What did you pick up on from the beginning that she was saying that made you think that like, Hey, this is like, there's something about this that just doesn't sit right. Um, so this individual is someone who's gone through a lot of trauma in their, in their life and a lot of trauma associated to men. And mm-hmm. so for me, I was like, well, my very being is triggering potentially to this person. And, uh, and so, you know, little seemingly innocuous things that I would do or say, or make a joke. And I would, you know, let a little bit of my actual personality come through, mm-hmm. uh, would really ruffle feathers, you know? And so that was, and it was to a degree that I hadn't experienced yet. You know, I was like, there's mm-hmm. just a really a significant lack of compatibility, but I thought I was going to be able to, mm-hmm. to navigate it. And I think the wise thing would have been to be like, listen, like, you know, like, and, and just to refer out perhaps from the get-go, I don't know, you know, so hard to do. I, I think it's like, you got to give yourself a little bit of grace there in terms of someone yeah. that cares, that wants to help that like, feels like they can, they can do the job and be a difference maker in this person's life. And I, I think like, we all want to do that. Or like, sometimes, sometimes it's about business too, in terms of like, I, I want to work with more people. I want to help more people. Like I, I could, I could use another client kind of thing. So it's like, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of competing interests there that do make it tough. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's one of those things where, yeah, like y- when you're listening and focusing on what's best for the client, sometimes I think we just got to wrap our head around, like, it might not be us. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, actually one thing it kind of uh, associated to this very same person, I really came to terms with, like, I did feel like I helped her. I moved things forward in a favorable right. manner, but unlike a lot of my other people, I wasn't able to take her the entirety of the way. So it's like, you know, I made what I hope was a meaningful contribution to maybe a third of her journey, but then for the remaining two thirds, I'm just not the tool (laughs) that I just called myself a tool on a podcast. That's great. Uh, I'm not, you know, the catalyst that she, that she, that she needs to use a different word. (laughs) Uh No, totally. Um, what kind of tool do you think you'd be like a stud finder or, Oh, bud. Um, yes, I think stud finder. That's a, that's a really good one. Yeah. I haven't yeah. used that on my girlfriend in a long time, so I might have to, so, uh, yeah. W- w- <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know. One of my like philosophical things around the coaching process is just trying to leave people in a better place than we found them. Right. Yeah. And I think in your case, like it wasn't, it wasn't dramatic or life-changing, but it was a step in the right direction. And if anything, you just trying to like, <sighs> like gut it out and force things through and all that stuff would have just like, would have just kept her where she was and you wouldn't have been able to like get, she wouldn't have been able to get to the next level. So it does take some <clears throat> maturity and thoughtfulness to be able to identify that like, Hey, this isn't me. Yeah. And you know, my, my thought was like, I might be able to over the course of, I kind of compared it to investments. I was like, if you have a stock, that's just not, it's a good stock. It's just because of the larger context of what's going on in the world. It's just not giving you returns. Why not, why not invest in this other stock over here mm-hmm. that for the same amount of time, effort, and money, you're getting three X, four X, five X, the returns. Like it just, it just kind of makes sense. So I kind of viewed myself as being like the manager, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And to be like, you know, like you're not getting great returns here. So, you know, head over, head over in, uh, in this direction. I think, I think for coaches, like, I think one of the take-home lessons there too, is that like, there's always things that we can do 
to improve our coaching and do better. But in your situation, like it just was not the good, like a good fit. And it really had not much to do with you. Um, so we kind of got to like go our separate ways and, and, and hopefully have like just a short term memory around like, Hey, don't let this impact who you could help and who you could, you know, approach and that type of thing. Cause I think that situation sets a lot of people back. It's like one individual over, you know, the course yeah. of hundreds that you see over the course of your career. Like you can't let that be your defining coaching moment. Cause I think a lot of people do, or they're expecting that to happen, yeah. right? They're waiting for that to happen. And they're <clears throat> thinking about all the possible scenarios and preparing themselves for it. And in reality, it's like, that doesn't happen too, too often. You mean in terms of like, uh, uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Like someone not being a good fit or like not being able to achieve a specific result for them or making sure right. that it's it's going to work or being certain that um, you're the right person that's going to be able to help them, right? Like I think a lot of times if it doesn't work, it has a lot less to do with us than we think, although there's always things that we can do, but it, it usually just, it doesn't have much to do with us, be it like the person in their stage of life, like it just it wasn't the right time for this, or it wasn't, you know, um, this information just wasn't sitting well because they hadn't done that yet or this yet, or it just right. wasn't like yeah. the dots weren't connecting. Right. So it's like, we need to take this stuff to heart, obviously, but we just can't let it impact our, you know, our coaching process too, too much. Yeah. Yeah. Like one thing that I try to remind myself is like, take it seriously, but not personally, you know, mm -hmm. like where it's like, do the best that you can while also concurrently not making it about yourself. Yeah, totally. you know, and I, and like, kind of like you were saying earlier where, you know, people can sometimes really take those things to heart. And I definitely did, you know, like it sucks, you know, we get into this industry because we want to help people, you know, mm -hmm. I think it, there's easier ways to become millionaires, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but so most people get into this industry because they want to make a like palpable difference in the lives of other people. And so, you know, when you fall short of that, so to speak of your lofty goals, mm -hmm. um, uh, then yeah, sometimes that can sting. Totally can stay. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think, um, yeah, it's just, it's that, that can really, I think you're only human to let it affect you a little bit. Like that's just normal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, okay, now I got to make peace of this and move forward. Question for you. So re regarding to the, you know, or, uh, when it comes to nutrition coaching, to what degree do you, do you yourself with your clients, uh, or even, um, I don't know if you still work with people actively with nutrition coaching. Yeah. Okay. So to what degree do you manage expectations with nutrition clients? Cause I feel like, you know, the tendency of people wanting to have, you know, instant gratification and results now can rob them of the long-term, like the, 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 the very long-term process that is required for like long-term results. Um, is that something that you do in terms of pre-framing people, letting them know that the, the journey won't be linear? Like, how does that, how does that work for you in your practice? I think honestly, the more, the more coaching I do and I do, yeah, I still work with like about 15 to 20 clients, like smaller cool. than it would have been, but I'm like, I like to stay close to the process and I, I enjoy that aspect. So I do still work with one-on-one -on -one clients. I think the job as a coach is constantly reassuring people that they're on the right track, that things are working and you know, as, as tough as it sounds like you, you're, you're basically saying like, here's where you were, here's where you're struggling with, look at what you've been able to do um, and what you've been able to accomplish and how far you've come and why you should continue down this path without speeding things up or setting things up. And then kind of going from there, I think people are always going to want results and they're always going to want them twice as fast as they, um, 
as they, you know, should achieve them because it's just going to allow them to, you know, make some bigger, bigger changes long-term. But at the same time, we can't just say like, Hey, you're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to do that. So like, yeah. I don't know, expectations are tough because I think what brings people in is being clear on what they could achieve, but at the same time, creating a plan that they can stick to that continues to push the needle in the right direction while like, Hey, if this takes us twice as long, that's just kind of the, that's the way it goes. Right. But then reassuring them like, Hey, you're on the right path here. This does look good. And look how far you've come. And I think a lot of times what happens when things start to kind of like fall off track, or maybe they're starting to decide like, Hey, maybe this isn't right for me because you know, they're right in the thick of things and they haven't achieved that thing yet. It's like, Hey, Mm. listen, look how far you've come in spite of everything that's going on. Right. Like you, now you're on the right track because in reality, they're like, Hey, I want to try this on my own. I think it's time to do that. And then they just completely stop doing all of the things that were working before. Mm-hmm. Almost yeah. instantly. Yeah. That's like usually what happens when someone's like, I want to try this on my own. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just completely fall off the wagon. Completely. And you're like, hey, the pace you're you're moving at here was exactly like what you needed to be doing. And yeah, maybe it's a bit slower, but like we're moving in the right direction and and that is, is helpful. Yeah. And I find, you know, at least in my experience, whether, you know, I tend to work more so with people with treatment resistant pain and persistent pain with my, you know, in-person practice, but I find that some of these, there's some of these lessons or these, these rules or these themes that, you know, uh, uh, apply to various contexts, you know, whether it be nutrition coaching or the, or the pain Mm -hmm. stuff. And, one of the things that I've struggled with, I would say over the you know, past the past decade has been kind of reconciling that, you know, long game is important. So we want to make sure that we're taking steps that are not too big, you know, like small enough steps so that it's sustainable because sustainable sustainability is kind of important. But also on the flip side, there's differences in in what people are willing to do. Like I've had people that like you take a small, really like uber small, hyper sustainable approach and it works great for them because it's effortless. But then there's also other people that are highly motivated that want to like, that are ready to make, you know, big changes from the get-go. And if you take that approach, they can like lose motivation and check out and then fall off. How do you, how do you, how do you determine whether they know the size of the step that you'll take with somebody? Oh, that's, that's a really good question. I think quick wins are always important because they keep Mm. people bought in. We see it in the weight loss world in terms of even evidence-based stuff, like people that do lose weight a little bit quicker at the beginning, they they can stick with things longer because they've seen the payoff and they're sticking with it. When in reality, most coaches are like, we got to do this slow and steady. It's got to look like that. If you don't lose any weight over, you know, the first month, that's okay because it's going to pay off. And it's like, the client doesn't want that. They definitely don't want that. It's almost like, like, I don't know, remember, I remember growing up and, and thinking about like karate became kind of like attractive at some point. Right. And like, you go to karate class and you like, um, the, the, what you do is like, you chop that piece of wood and you break all those two by fours and you feel like the strongest person ever, but you go to karate and they sit you down in a circle for the first month, like practice self-discipline and stuff. And it's like, mm. That's no, there's no quick win there. Like, that's not what I want to be doing. I want to be chopping that piece of wood. Right. So it's like, from a client perspective, I think we got to do enough to keep someone engaged and bought in and moving down that path so that they will stay in it for the long game. Cause if they don't see what's in it for them at the beginning, um, they're, they're not going to stick with it. So for what steps we take, obviously we're, we're constantly weighing 
what needs to happen in the short term to get results with what needs to, without mortgaging the future. Right. But I think mm. coaches, what's important is probably to be a bit more aggressive than they're being because number one, that's what their clients want. And this is a results driven business. So like you got, like you gotta, you gotta keep in mind what's, what's in it for them without, you know, mortgaging the future entirely. Hmm. I really like that. I could see how, you know, for individuals who perhaps like have a, the French word for this is like a penchant. So like a tendency towards people pleasing Mm -hmm. where they perhaps wouldn't be firm enough. So as to like, really like be the firm hand that like guides the client and gets them to do the things that are uncomfortable. I don't know. Like, at least for me, like as someone who has that type of tendency, uh, when you were talking about that, I'm like, oh yeah, that feels a little bit uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that like, in terms of like, like people pleasing and stuff, like you want to move things along quicker or you feel like you want to do what's in their best interest and just kind of like stay the course. Not at all. It's totally self-serving. So for me, it's ever since I've been a kid, the way that I think I've survived is getting people to like me. And so I found that coaching people and getting people to do what they need to do, not necessarily what they want to do, puts that at risk. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, they might, they might not like me for saying this. And so that's something that I've had to work on a lot over, over the, over the years. Totally. I know I, I fall in like a, like I I'm in a similar situation in terms of wise. So like, I, I, I understand that and I get that. I just, I don't know. Um, I feel like coming from it, from a like empathetic, I know why you want this and I know why it's important for you, but I need you to understand that like, like going about it this way, um, is going to sacrifice like your long-term progress. And you might not feel like you need that right now, but that's ultimately what's going to be best for you long-term. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I see it. I see it in the powerlifting space all the time where people are like, you shouldn't cut weight for your first meet, right? Like you shouldn't do that. And when we look at data, it's like, this has turned into like a hobby for a lot of people. They do three or four meets. They want to get that provincial record and then peace off, like they peace out and do the rest of their life and kind of like get back to things like that's actually what they want. Right. So if like, if they want to strive mm-hmm. towards something, and again, going back to this, like harm reductionist thing, if they want to strive towards something and they're going to do it with or without me, I'd rather do it. They do it within best practices and in a way that like keeps them safe and is maybe a bit more effective than them just going about it on their own and kind of doing it that way. I think what we want for people sometimes it's what we want for them as opposed yeah. to what they want for them. And sometimes they might need to learn some of those tough lef- lessons within our guidance. So it's like, Hey, I don't think you should do this this way. I really don't. And I understand if you do want to do it and I'll still support you within the best way I know how, um, and you still might do it and that's okay. But, um, here's how I think you should do things. And sometimes you're like, no, nah, I still want to do it that way. And you're like, okay, I've said my piece. And now we got to, I'm going to, here's what I suggest. And here's what we do and go down this path. Um, but then when things fly in their face, you're like, they're kind of, you're both looking at each other being like, this is what you're warning me about. <laughs> Called it. <laughs> yeah, like It was It's like, yeah. so I don't know. That's kind of my. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. And I find like, a lot of these things can't be learned in a textbook, you know, like this is why, and this is a really great segue towards your program uh, because, you know, there's only so much that you can learn from a textbook. A lot of this stuff needs to be learned in the trenches and you can facilitate that learning by having a good 
strong feedback loop with someone that's gotten in a little bit more reps than you. That's like crude, a little bit more wisdom. So Dr. Marky Mark, tell us about the Dr. Mark method. Yeah, you bet. So what is that? It's a 90 day nutrition <laughs> certification. I think what sets us apart is that we go through the science of nutrition, which a lot of good certifications do. And we got to revisit some things and really understand what influences someone's body composition and athletic performance. But what drove me crazy about so many learning experiences in my past, spending 12 years in university, like literally like just jumping through hoops and all that stuff was that like nothing was practical, nothing was applied. I never saw, you know, the end game around why I was learning certain things. So in a nutrition coaching space, it, that means let's build a business around this. Let's get people interested in what we do. Let's get them um, seeing the value in it. So they want to sign up. Let's do like develop an actual coaching process um, and get some reps in so that you can feel confident you'll be able to do this on your own. I, there's so many, some of the bigger nutrition coaching certifications, I should even call them nutrition courses, like that in reality, mm. what they are. And I know there's like, that's very subtle difference, but there's a difference between it's a course huge. and a program. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, you know, like you go through that experience of taking that course and maybe you learn some things and you feel like, you know, you're in a better place knowledge wise, but you still have no idea how to coach people and no idea how to build a business. When in reality, that's what a lot of people want to do. Like, of course, they're passionate about these things, but they want to create a business out of this and make money and help more people. And that all comes from building your business skills. So I really have worked hard on trying to deliver that um, within this program um, and taking people at the end to a place where they're confident and competent online nutrition coaches that are ready to grow and impact more people. I love that. So when it comes to this, this program you said it's a 90 day program. Mm -hmm. So do you have pillars of your program? So like central themes that the program revolves around? If so, could you share that? Yeah, totally. So the first little bit, all the science to nutrition within it, like a nutrition coach, their scope should be impacting people in terms of body composition, like losing body fat, gaining muscle, um, improving athletic performance and managing that stuff, as well as like overall health, nothing really, um, like with a medical diagnosis or anything like that. So we take in the first little bit, it almost be like taking a university level macronutrients and metabolism class, but focused more or less on the college level to impact a client and get a client results, because that is what our clients want. And that's what we need to focus on. So it's really focused uh, on the science and nutrition, but within that lens. Mm. So the first pillar is definitely science, but then there's this whole like marketing thing, which from someone that has always been an entrepreneur, but doesn't have a formal experience in marketing was tough to figure out in terms of what to do. And in my, my best understanding is that marketing is getting people interested and curious about what we do so that they are motivated to take the next step. So it's being able to create social media content around that, right? Like, what do we need to say to get people interested and curious about what we do? But then there's also the sales thing, which is like, okay, now we have people that are interested and curious, but how do we make sure that they're not just tire kickers and they don't take the next step? So how do we take curious people and turn them into paying clients? And there's a step-by-step -step process to do that, which most coaches, it takes them years to figure out or they never do it at all. And then it just, you know, 
their hobby and the thing that they love just turns into something that like they're kind of resentful about and then they don't continue yeah. on. Right. So it's like, let's get in front of that and work through that as well as the whole systems thing. Right. I, I, I talk with a coach almost every week. That's like, I have, I'm working with six clients and it's taking me 30 hours a week. And it's like, what are you doing all week? Like what, mm-hmm. why is it t- like you're, you're doing this in the, to do a good job and stuff, but there's, there's some, something missing here in terms of your systems and approach that needs to be much quicker because it should take you a mere fraction of that to be able to conduct this. And to be honest, if you want to help more people, that's the thing you got to get figured out. So it's right. the science and nutrition, but it's also marketing sales and systems. I love that. And, you know, uh, as someone who like follows your content and is inspired by the creativity of your reels, uh, which, you know, I still haven't made that real with the guy. I think it's from like Tropic, Tropic Thunder or Tropical yeah. Thunder or something like uh-huh. that. What is it? Yeah. Sex, um, sugar, and magic or something like yeah, that. That'd be, is it Kenny Powers? <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. And it's yeah. so funny. But, you know, like watching your, your success or, you know, but like more specifically, the success of your clients with, with locking down people has been just so fun and so, uh, and so inspiring. And I've had the pleasure of like knowing a few of your, of your students as well. And they speak really highly of, uh, of what you do. So well, it's I been appreciate really cool. that a lot. I think, I think that's the, I do think, I think that's a miss in terms of a lot of nutrition coaching businesses is that we don't need to know more in most cases. We just need to learn to apply it in a way that gives the people that we work with the result that they want. And then we need to learn how to talk about it and communicate it so that other people want in. Mm-hmm, for sure. So um, when is your next cohort for, uh, I think you you have multiple levels, right? Level one, I think level two. Yeah. The next um, level one will be uh, in September, middle of September. Okay. Incredible. Yeah. And where can they find out about that? Most of the details on drmarkmethod.com. Um, but I'm probably most active on my Instagram page. So if you follow me there and don't know when the next program is. I'm doing a bad job. You will know. I will <laughs> make it extremely obvious. Cool. Yeah, that's great. And yeah. I'll link all of that in the show notes as well. Awesome. And so as we start to wrap up here, I have um, two more questions for you. Cool. The first is which book are you reading right now and why? Oh man, I, uh, <clears throat> hmm, how do I put this? I'm reading a book right now. Okay. I'm really into this new, like I've been using an Amazon strategy for a lot of my marketing, be it like keyword stuff. I'll, I'll throw it into Amazon, see what kind of books come up, start to read the reviews and, and talk about like pain points, areas to differentiate myself and my coaching and stuff and kind of go from there. For my own, for my own business right now, the book is called um, Wellpreneur. And the reason why I came across it was that it had a bunch of good reviews um, about 300 reviews, which means people are buying it and reading it, which is fantastic. But the title was, so it's very related to what I do, um, but not completely related. Wellpreneur, the ultimate guide for wellness entrepreneurs to nail your niche and find clients online. And uh, I'm reading it right now with the highlighter and just seeing what kind of language she used, because if it's the first thing that came up when I typed in get clients online on Amazon, that means her stuff is dialed. Interesting. Wellpreneur. Cool. And do you, do you tend to, are you more of a, like a fiction or a nonfiction guy? I have been on this like self-help kick for like 20 years. So it's naturally been, um, nonfiction. Yeah. Um, but growing up, it was always like, it was always fiction and stuff. 
Cool. Yeah. It's funny. So when I, when I, when my girlfriend first, well now girlfriend came over to my house for first time, I think it was like our third date or something, cooked her a nice dinner and I was in the process of moving. So I had all of my books out of the bookshelf and I had about like 20 or 30 that I didn't want to take with me to my new home. And so I was like, well, listen, if there's any here, you know, please take a look. So she's going through the book. She's like, what do you have here? The entire self-help like section. She's like, this yeah. is crazy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a junkie for sure. Totally. <laughs> like nice it, to meet a fellow junkie. It is. Well, yeah. And even just <laughs> uh, almost like a trophy case of like. I've been through all these. I'm battle tested in terms of improving myself. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love it. All right, cool. So we've got nonfiction, Wellpreneur as being your current read that you're really the current into, read so right now. Yeah, like I, yeah. I'm taking my time getting through it and stuff. And <clears throat> I don't know, Etienne, if you checked out a lot of like, I've been doing so much writing with like my YouTube stuff and as well, like it's just like that's taking up the most of my time right now. But I think there's just like a natural rhythm and cycle to a lot of these things where I'll probably be creating less at some point and consuming more. Um, mm -hmm. but I'm just not, not consuming very much right now. Okay. And so, um, next question is, is there a book in particular that's really marked you in your life? Uh, pun in, pun intended. Yeah, no, that's a good, uh, <laughs> be so good that you, they can't ignore you by Cal Newport is a fantastic one. I think that like flipped a lot of things um, upside down for me in terms of how we should approach our work lives and what like work life and what we should focus on and stuff. I thought that one was really, really fantastic and just allowed me to look at things in a different way. I love it. Have you read his other one, uh, deep work? I think. No, I haven't. No deep work no. is a book that I, I, um, I got it two years ago mm -hmm. and I've read it once a year and I'm going to be starting once I'm done the one I'm reading now, I'm going to be jumping into that, into that again. I find I have a, uh, like a bias towards, you know, distractibility and spreading myself thin. And I find there's lessons in that book that have propelled me forward in a very meaningful way by just learning to say no to things that just matter less so that mm -hmm. I can really triple down on uh, the things that really move the needle forward. Well, I know it's like a, if like you're in the recovering people pleaser phase, I know that saying no thing can be extremely difficult. Especially what are you talking about? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> Especially around things that like you just really don't serve you and have no interest in and that type of thing. And it's just to protect others. And, you know, it just is at the sacrifice of you and your own energy and emotions. So it can be tough, man. Yeah, for sure. All right, bro. Last question, because I, I want to respect your time is um, for, for all the personal trainers or perhaps nutrition coaches that, that listen to this, um, what would be the one lesson that you'd really like to impart them with, you know, that you think would really move the needle forward for them in helping them get people what they want? Great question. I think, and this is one of the toughest lessons for me. If you want to grow your business and help more people, how, what you do to get people interested in your business can look different than what you do to actually coach them. Like they can be two distinct things. And I think everyone thinks that they need to, focus on this, what people need thing and talk about that. When in reality, what your clients want is going to be completely different than what you want for them. So it's not disingenuous. And that's like, you start to hear stuff about clickbait and like things like that. And it's like, listen, you get, you do what you need to do to get eyes on you and get people interested in it and what they take away from it. They forget about that. They forget why they're there. 
like within seconds, right? They, what they remember is like how you made them feel and afterwards and that kind of thing. But you can't do that unless you have a better idea of what people want. So I think it comes back to like listening to what they want and, and trying to figure that out, what problems they have and what they want solved and kind of go from there. I love it. And that applies like perfectly to not only nutrition coaching, but anyone who has a service um, and, um, and is looking to reach the people that need that service, you know, and finding ways to, to, uh, exp- you know, I guess, share what you do in a way that is relevant to, uh, to those people. Totally, man. Beautiful, bro. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you donating your time uh, today. I learned a ton. Uh, awesome. as I, as I tend to do when we, when we chat. So well, I really man, appreciate no, thanks it. Thanks for man. having me on. Oh, dude, it's a pleasure till next time. You bet. See ya. Cheers. Shout out to Mark for today's episode. If you'd like to learn more about him, what he does, or to apply to the wait list for the next cohort of the Dr. Mark method, make sure you check out the show notes. It's all linked there. Keep your eyes peeled for our next episode, where we sit down and chat with Ryan Taylor about the nuances of program design for rehab, hypertrophy, and more.